Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Can Baker Mayfield resurrect his career with the reeling Rams? Probably not. Where did it all go wrong for John Robinson and the Titans? And did Deion Sanders contradict himself when introducing himself to his new team? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The 2022 season has not gone the way the LA Rams thought it would. Certainly did not go as well as the 2021 season went when they won the Super Bowl. But they have a new quarterback because their old quarterback is done for the season. Matthew Stafford with a spinal cord contusion. You never want to hear spinal cord on any injury report with anyone, frankly. Now, Baker Mayfield having been claimed from the Panthers. Joining me now from Locked on Rams, Travis Rogers. And and Travis, in a year where this team is not going to make the playoffs, they're not going to do much of anything, why make this move? Well, I think it speaks to a couple of different things. Number one, it speaks to just how bad their offense has been all season long, in particular without um, Matthew Stafford these last few weeks. And with all due respect to John Wolford and Bryce Perkins, who have been doing their level best against um, some competition that has been somewhere between pretty good to not very good. Um, (laughs) They're pretty limited in what they can do. I think this is kind of a twofer for the Rams. If they can find something to get them a couple of extra wins this year, I know it's their evaluation mode at this point in the season, but winning a game or two more, I think would make a difference. When you look at this and where they are right now, a a three and 14 season just feels dreadful. Um, It's certainly possible. But if they can get to to five wins, six wins, maybe not that it's good, but it's certainly better than the three they have. I think that might be um, the the one of the reasons they did it. But number two is, I think they're really looking at him as possibly being their backup moving forward. I don't know mm-hmm. if Baker Mayfield will have a lot of opportunities as a starting quarterback in this league next year. The Rams have always kind of gone the cheap when it comes to backup quarterbacks, inexperienced guys. Um, and and this is a huge upgrade. Baker Mayfield was the first pick in the draft. Bryce Perkins was undrafted. John Holford was undrafted. This is a big difference for them. Is he a great player? No. Is he healthy? I guess we'll find out. But as far as backup quarterbacks go, potentially, I think this is this is a pretty good acquisition, and it costs them virtually nothing. And if it doesn't work, they get rid of him. In a three and nine season, when you don't have your draft pick, this is the kind of thing that you go, okay, well, maybe this helps us win a couple more games. So mm-hmm. even though it doesn't really technically hurt us to give the the Lions the third pick versus the eighth pick, there is optics and, and there is just like pride, right? That's part of sure. this too, especially for a team that just won the Super Bowl. I, I, I posited, wouldn't it be funny if the Rams claimed Baker Mayfield just to troll the San Francisco 49ers who did not have a quarterback. Now that was before the Rams claimed Baker Mayfield. <laughs> How much of this do you think was, Hey, let's, let's make sure the 49ers don't get this guy. I don't think it's not part of the equation, if I can put it quite like that. I I don't know how much of the equation it was. It may have been a very small part. It may have been the things that I suggested. They may be more football-related items, but the ability to stick it to your number one rival, the team that you've been butting heads with for the last several years, I think there's probably uh, a a little bit of benefit in that. And, And I like what you mentioned too, Peter, just the 
the idea of pride too. Look, Jalen Ramsey's still playing football. Bobby Wagner's still playing football, and those guys are out there playing and, and putting their their health at risk and putting their you know every time you put on a uniform, you who knows what's going to happen. And I think that the least that the Rams can do is try to win as many of these games as they can while evaluating the players that they have. And Baker Mayfield, I think, will give them a better chance of winning. I don't know if it gives them a good chance, but I think it gives them a better chance. Stay up to date all year on the LA Rams by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Rams on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, what happened with Titans general manager John Robinson? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Let's take a quick look at the odds to win the college football playoff. Georgia is the odds on favorite because, I mean, duh. And Bet Online has them at minus 140. That seems right. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Michigan and Ohio State are close at second and third. Bet Online has Michigan's odds to win it all plus 290, and Ohio State plus 390. And bringing up the rear is the team no one thinks will win it TCU. Their odds, according to Bet Online, 16 to 1. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Maybe that's why OBJ is taking so long to make a decision on where he will play. The Dallas Cowboys have concerns after Odell Beckham Jr.'s physical that his recovery from a torn left ACL in the Super Bowl has not progressed enough to ensure he would play before mid-January, according to an ESPN report. There is a possibility that signing Beckham, who is closing out his two-day visit with the Cowboys on Tuesday, would have no benefit until the 2023 season, if that is in fact the case. Beckham underwent a physical on Monday, met with Cowboys owner Jerry Jones and his family, and spent the night with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs at the Dallas Mavericks game against the Phoenix Suns. Asked at halftime what the Cowboys' chances of signing him were, Beckham told ESPN's Tim McMahon with a big smile, it's a good possibility. Well, maybe not. Perhaps San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo's season isn't over after all. Doctors concluded Garoppolo did not suffer a Lisfranc injury to his broken left foot and would not need surgery. If his rehab goes well, he has a chance to return in seven to eight weeks, according to reports. A potential Garoppolo return would depend on whether the 49ers advance far enough in the postseason. A seven-week timetable would mean a possible return for the NFC Divisional Round, and an eight-week timetable would be the NFC Championship game. Although, of course, that's seven to eight weeks just to get back to practice in all likelihood, which means he's still a long shot to play this season. The Fighting Illini lived up to their name, upsetting number two, Texas. Illinois stormed back after trailing by 10 to force overtime and sealed the upset win with free basketball. Another day and another big win for a Big Ten team. The number 17 Fighting Illini knock off the number two Texas Longhorns. Final score 85 to 78. It was a story of the transfers for Illinois. Matthew Mayer with 21 points. Terrence Shannon Jr. taking over in overtime. Finishes with 16 points for Illinois. And after a big win over UCLA earlier in the season, this win over Texas, we knew Illinois was good before. Now it's looking like the Illini could even be another one of those great elite Big Ten teams that we're starting to see at the start of the season. Big Ten teams are picking up big non-conference wins left and right, and the Illini get themselves a big one here on on Tuesday. We'll go over all of it, of course, on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson. 
Two historic streaks collided on the ice in Dallas on Tuesday. The Toronto Maple Leafs' Mitch Marner saw his franchise record point streak extended to 20, while the Stars' Jason Robertson put an 18-game point streak on the line. The Dallas Stars get shut out for the first time this season. Jason Robertson's 18-game point streak has come to an end. Hey, everybody, this is Dane Lewis with the Locked On Dallas Stars podcast. Just back from the American Airlines Center, where many thought we would be witnessing a really intense, explosive offensive battle, and it was really only explosive offensively for one side of the ice, and that side of the ice belonged to the team in white and blue. The Toronto Maple Leafs blank the Dallas Stars the first time they've been shut out this season. Nobody gets a goal. Nobody gets a point, including Jason Robertson, who was two games away from tying the franchise record for consecutive games with at least one point. Uh, And I mean, you just look at this game and it's maybe the most frustrating game to have watched this season as a Dallas Stars fan because you can't necessarily say they lost for a lack of effort or a lack of trying. 44 shots on goal, uh, seven chances on the power play. They go 0 for 7, only four penalty minutes on their end. The Leafs go 0 for 2 on their power play. 27 blocked shots from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, the defense and the goaltending. You have to give a ton of credit to Leafs netminder Matt Murray, who played a fantastic game, and the the Leafs defense. I mean, they blocked a ton of shots. On the hardwood, the second half belonged to Boyan Bogdanovich, and the Pistons got a 20-point road win over the Heat. Boyan Bogdanovich just played out of his freaking mind. Host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, Kuk Hill here. Boyan Bogdanovich scores 31 points in the Pistons' 20-point victory over the Miami Heat. He only had three points in the entire first half, and he goes on in the second half and scores 28 points. He missed two total shots. He was 6 of 7 from deep and completely lit Miami a new one. It was crazy what he was doing out there. Crazy step-back jumpers, uh, hand-in-the-face jumpers from beyond the arc, step-back threes. He was on fire the entire second half, and the Pistons just rolled him to victory like they should have. After previously allowing another 40-point opening quarter, the Pistons did not allow that to happen in this game. They also kept kept the Miami Heat under 100 points in this game. They only scored 96 points. The Pistons scored 116. So Boyan led the offense, took over offensively, but overall the Pistons played much better defense this game than we had seen over the last few games, and that's what led to their success against the Miami Heat in Miami. Here is another story you need to know. In a year full of surprising NFL stories, we got one of the most surprising midseason NFL stories with the Tennessee Titans Parting ways with general manager John Robinson a year after being the number one seed in the AFC. The Tennessee Titans lead the AFC South at 7-5, and although they did just get dunked on by A.J. Brown, which had a lot of people speculating that this was a direct reaction to getting your butts handed to you by the Eagles, the team that you Mm -hmm. traded your star player to. Joining me now from Locked on Titans, Tyler Rowland, who I'm sure has some thoughts on that. Uh, when, When you first heard the news, just what was your initial reaction? Shock. Um, I, I guess it's understandable that maybe maybe they would look to part ways with John Robinson after some of the misses of recent success. But to see the Titans, a team that usually, you know, tries to keep it all buttoned down and be a, as closed off as they can be from letting things leak and things like that. I am ju- I was just utterly shocked that they did it right now. The Titans are, yeah, they just got beat by the Eagles and the Bengals, that might be the best two teams in the entire NFL right now. 
losses to them with the injuries the Titans had on the defensive side of the ball, especially the pass rush against the Eagles, you would think that, you know, there's disappointment with the roster, but they're 7-5. and five. Those two losses were the best teams. They're still leading their division. And I think the overall theme of the move for me, once you get past the shock of it happening mid-season and where the Titans are at, I think somebody said this is the, the first time since 2005 that someone, a GM, got fired with while leading their division this late in the season and they had a losing record with that team. I forget exactly which team it was, but it just doesn't happen to see a team in the Titans spot have their general manager fired at this point in the season. But after getting over that shock, I think you come back to something that should make Titans fans feel good, and it's good is not good enough Hmm. for Amy Adams Strunk, the owner of the Tennessee Titans. We saw that after Mike Malarkey won a playoff game in 2017 for the first time in 10 years for the franchise. Amy Adams Strunk fired him and got Mike Vrabel, and that turned out to be the right move. So as a Titans fan, you have to hope that that move like this move is about taking the next step for the Titans as a franchise. And um, that's kind of the the overall positive, but obviously there are some details here with what Mike Vrabel might have done in this game that uh, that do matter as well, too. Yeah, there it looks like Mike Vrabel is going to be empowered under yes. this new setup. And so that is going to lead, mm-hmm. of course, to speculation that this was a power play by Mike Vrabel. We don't have the information on that, so we are not going to speculate. There's also... Men speculation about was there misdeeds or anything like that. Because we don't have that information, we are not going to do that. So just on football terms, Tyler, you you made the case from ownership standpoint. But as you stand here, do you think there is enough football reason to make a move like this, whether it's midseason or offseason? Well, I, th- I think yes. And I think oh, you start okay. with football and you start with the game. On Sunday, number one, the obvious number one thing is you're watching the most talented receiver that's ever played for the Titans since they moved to Tennessee. Derek Mason was a good receiver in his own right, but he made a Pro Bowl as a returner. He was a solid number two wide receiver, if you wanted to be honest. He was never that top tier, top five wide receiver talent. And A.J. Brown was that, and it transformed the Titans overnight. In those two years where the Titans offense really got it going and Derrick Henry was playing his best. And to see that guy now on the other side destroying you from a football standpoint, dominating your team, that has to drive a stake through Mike Vrabel's heart, who wants to win at the highest level and knows that you need dogs to do it in this league. Mm. To look at his team and say, yeah, the team's better off that we traded that guy. It's hard to do that with Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard. And then you think about the owner. Eagles fans are turning around after A.J. Brown scores, flipping her the bird, calling them names, cussing at them. You're the owner like, wait, my GM gave this guy away? Stay up to date all year on the Tennessee Titans by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Titans podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, did Deion Sanders contradict his message when he left Jackson State for Colorado? The college football coaching carousel is legendary. Anyone can go anywhere for pretty much any reason. Commonly, though, you have up-and-coming coaches get a bump in program size and prestige. That's exactly what happened when Deion Sanders left Jackson State for Colorado. But as Locked On HBCU's host Darian Gray points out, he contradicts himself a little with his message to his new team. I feel like everything about Deion Sanders' departure screams unfinished business. 
You can ask him directly. He has said it. He is leaving because he wants to improve the representation of minority coaching, specifically black coaches on the FBS subdivision. And I think that is a great cause. I think that there is more to the conversation other than that, but I don't wanna act like that's not real, okay? I do believe that whether that's the majority of his reasoning or the minority of his reasoning, I do believe it. it is a factor. I believe that just like Jackson State, when he was hired, Colorado now provides him with what he needs. And, and listen, a lot of people talk about that selfish, that, Let's just be real about it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to elevate through the coaching ranks. It's a lot of other things that happened that we had an issue with, but the idea that he wants to elevate through the coaching ranks is something that I believe was always in his aspirations. I think it was always in his plans. I don't know if two and a half, I really hate that COVID year, so I'm just going to call it two. I don't know if in two years he expected to be able to do this. Jackson State gave him the opportunity to be a coach, show he can coach on the college level. That's what they gave him. He took it, and now Colorado gives him the opportunity to win championships. I do have a couple of issues. I hated what he said in his video to his team. Coaches either get elevated or terminated. I hated that. Hated it because you didn't really need to worry about that. You just won the swag. You have more security at Jackson State than you do at Colorado right now. That's just true. He had a couple of narratives. I want to change how HBCUs are looked at. You can make it at an HBCU. Not a single player that he recruited out of high school has made it to the pros. Not because they don't have talent, because he didn't stay, he didn't stay at Jackson State long enough for that to actually happen. So when Deion Sanders tells me you can make it at, a, at an HBCU, and I believe him, and then he leaves before I can even try to make it from an HBCU, how am I supposed to feel? Shador is a great quarterback. You know, he got a lot of love. Shador could have been drafting. You could have you could have had an HBCU quarterback. We don't get those things. You did a great thing. And I feel like we were off to a great start. And I feel like we we're on the precipice of just having something major. But then you leave and it's kind of a if it's not a stop sign, it's a yield. It's time to just be honest about what college football is with name, image and likeness. It's a business and we can't start acting like it's not now that the guys has fully been removed. The veil is off. We know what this is. And so let's stop acting like these players no longer have agency. Like these coaches are just running around doing these things and leaving these kids high and dry. They used to do that. These kids now have the ability and are making real money, significant money, in some cases more than coaches' money, and so they are part of this ecosystem. And yes, they are 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. And so they don't have the same sort of equipment to handle it and to navigate it that these coaches do. And so I'm not letting these coaches off the hook for hypocrisy or anything like that. What I'm saying is let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending like when a coach signs a contract somewhere, that means he's there for life. Let's stop pretending that the transfer portal isn't a free-for-all, but let's also stop pretending that it's not good for these players because it is. If Deion Sanders is bringing some of his players with him, then that means these Colorado players are going to have a chance to go somewhere else in a way that they didn't used to. And they have a chance to go somewhere else and not just play, but make money. And so that's why, to me, I just want us to stop 
acting like something else is going on here. This is not the old system. So holding coaches to account when they're hypocritical, let's do that 100%. But I also want coaches to just start being honest about it. It's now a business. So let's talk about it like it's a business. It's a business for these players. It's a business for coaches. So let's everyone be honest about it. And this will all be a lot easier. And finally, is there a more superfluous idea than preseason NCAA basketball rankings? Preseason number one, North Carolina just fell out of the top 25 altogether, barely a month after the season began. North Carolina is only the sixth team to go from preseason number one to unranked since at least the 1961-62 season. Most recently, Michigan State did it during the 2019-2020 season. Of that group, the Tar Heels had the swiftest exit from the poll to start the season, except for UCLA in 1965-66. The Bruins fell out of the poll after just three weeks, back when only 10 teams were ranked. Besides, aren't the real rankings revealed in March? Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, as we begin the stretch run in the NFL, who is in the driver's seat? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.